Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 12 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week my guest is Tim Noonan, a friend of mine from Atlanta, who recently wrote an article about his ideas for how we can at least diminish, if not completely eradicate, cheating in junior tennis. And I'm so excited for him to come on and share his thoughts about what's happening in our sport and what we as parents, coaches, and governing bodies can do to attract more kids and hold on to more kids in junior tennis. Before I bring Tim on, just quickly, if you are not already, we would love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces. All you have to do is go to parentingaces.com and click on the join button, easy peasy, and you will have full access to all things Parenting Aces, whether it's our social media channels, our articles, our podcasts, discounts, events, etc. So be sure and click on that button. All right, now sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Tim Noonan. Hey, Tim, thanks so much for doing the podcast. I'm really, really excited about today's topic and to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Well, thanks, Lisa. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to to be part of this as well. And and I've been in tennis for 35 years or so. And I think that uh, we have such a wonderful sport that uh, I just, I'm always looking for ways to make it better. So any ideas that I can share or any insight that I can give, I'm I'm uh, happy to happy to share it. Well, you know this issue of cheating in junior tennis is as old as time. Um, it's not a new problem, though. Every new generation of family that gets involved in junior tennis seems to think it's just starting with their kids playing. Yeah. But for the parents listening out there, I want to assure you this was going on when I was a kid playing. Um, it's it's always been around. Kids want to win when they're on the tennis court. They want to win and they don't always make the best decisions or um, see things absolutely correctly when they're in the midst of competition. And so I, one of the reasons I wanted to have Tim on is, first of all, Tim was a player. Tim has been a coach for a very long time. He's worked with professional players. He's worked with juniors. He's worked with all levels of the sport and has seen a lot of different scenarios out there. And Tim, kind of the impetus behind this was that Rich Nair recently published an article that, come to find out, you wrote a while ago, but um, Rich recently published it in his tennis newsletter, and I read it, and I thought, gosh, you know, we've got to dig into this topic again and and talk about some potential solutions to make our sport feel more fair for everybody that's participating. 
Yeah, no, totally agree. And again, it has been around forever. And um, one of the things was when Rich had an article, Robert Lansdorp, the, old, the the coach of Tracy Austin, still, you know, was bringing up the whole idea of cheating being the biggest issue in tennis. And whether or not that's true, there's there's a lot of there's, you know, there's there's issues in tennis, you know, across the board. But I think for a young person uh, starting to play this game, it can be such a such a downer. It can be such a negative experience in those early days. And and as a coach and as a, someone who's committed to growing the sport, um, I, I hate seeing kids driven from the sport by some of the ugliness. And it's not always it's the cheating. It, it can be the parents. It can be it can be a lot of different things. But the cheating is certainly at the forefront and it's certainly something that's been there and you know the kids there's there's pressure on the kids you know the parents are putting a lot of time and effort into it um we hate to hear it as coaches this whole return on investment you know most parents mm-hmm. should be happy that their kids are in a safe place learning a great sport but you know some of them are thinking college scholarships or beyond so there's a lot of pressure on the kids to do it and and again in the past i i, I felt like the there was never, there was no deterrence, you know, the, the deterrent, you know, if I make a bad call and the referee overturns it, that's not really a penalty. That wasn't my point to begin with. And I, I kept thinking that's not a very fair, it is, you know, there, there ought to be a penalty to my making that big a mistake. And and even if it was an honest mistake, a mistake is a mistake. And, you know, as, as I said in the article, you can't rob a bank and then give the money back and say, Hey, are we cool? Yeah. <laughs> this, this doesn't work that way. So you, you, I just, I felt there needed to be more deterrence and, and my, you know, my article was, you know, I grew up in the uh, Jesuit high school and we had the demerit system and it was based kind of on that. And again, people can take it any direction they want. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I just feel like they're, you know, that not everybody, if I've kept my nose clean for a couple of years and I make a bad call, I don't think it should be the exact same as someone who's making 10 bad calls a match. I mean, I think there ought to be different levels of, of deterrence and different things that the the referees and coaches can do. And I mean, the referees can do on the courts. And uh, so that's really where it came from. And I, again, I'm just trying to make the sport more fun for kids playing because if this sport shrinks, people in my business are going to suffer. And I, I just don't want to see that. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting. Um, we're recording this the second week of February, I guess. And there's a video that's gone viral on the internet on uh, the last couple of days about a college match, um, a player that called a ball out that bounced in the middle of the court. And that little snippet has been, you know, sent all over the place. But what wasn't sent was the points prior to this right egregious call yeah. which you know i haven't watched the whole match so i'm not sure what happened but having been a tennis parent of a collegiate player i can only imagine what was going on in the match that that led this guy to make that that very obvious i he was making a point right sure sure so yeah yeah and that and i i haven't seen that one either but i've seen that happen before and it sure. usually is the beginning of bedlam, which again is never, never a good thing in our sport. So, you know, in, until, you know, again, I bigger, bigger penalties for cheating, you know, more, more, you know, is the, and the other thing that, that I've never, if you're not sure, if you're not a hundred percent sure your call, you're supposed to give the other person the the point. I don't think that's being hammered home enough with kids. 
Um, I think that, you know, if, if it's close, you know, if it seems, looks like it might be out these days, it's out. And I, mm-hmm. and I never felt like, you know, the gentleman's game, I think that part has kind of gone by the wayside and, and, you know, I get it again, we're competing for scholarships and things like that. And even college matches, I'm shocked that could happen. Most college matches I see at least have somebody on the court monitoring the situation. So um, until we get the technology, you know, until Hawkeye-like technology is available at a smaller scale, and I know it's being worked on, and I think that's exciting. You know, if you could turn turn everything over to a, a technology-based system, you don't see you know, the pros at the U.S. Open other than uh, Ostapenko or whatever her name is. Yeah. Other than her, <laughs> oh gosh, nobody, nobody, nobody argues about the calls anymore. And right. they, they, just, they just, there's no one to argue to. You know, the machine right. made the call. And you can ask to see a video of it, but I guarantee if it called it out, it's going to show you a video of a ball being out. So um, I think that someday I think there may be those options for junior tournaments and college tournaments. And and I know some of the people developing these systems. And and I think that that's very exciting. But in the meantime, um, I think the whole idea of throwing more referees out, which was, again, one of Robert Lansdorf's ideas. And again, that's it's not a bad idea but it's only going to make an expensive sport more expensive and it's Mm. going to make these entry fees more expensive. And it's already a sport that a lot of kids can't, aren't, can't access. So I think that anything that raises the price of, of how expensive tennis already is, again, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I, it, it might cure some of the cheating, but at the same time, it's going to make the sport even less accessible. So I'd, I'd like to find other ways. And that's really what my article is about. Well, let's dig into your idea of using the demerit system, because it, like I said, I read the article and was like, this makes so much sense. Why are we not doing this? And, you know, it's one of the things that gets discussed, as I said, you know, parents want to create lists of, you know, kids that are egregious cheaters or, or habitual cheaters. And, you know, I know, when my son was playing juniors, there were a couple of kids that everybody knew if you played against them, you were going to need an official. And my son would just go to the tournament director if if he was in the same part of the draw and say, hey, you know, I'm playing this kid on this day. Can yeah. you please have somebody on the court with us? And, you know, it's it's it shouldn't happen that way. It shouldn't no. be that way. And then, and then manpower wise, and then, uh, you know, inevitably that person has to leave and go do something else because right. there's too many kids, too many kids out there that they have to go deal with. So, again, my my thought was simple. It's kind of like, and, and again, a demerit system, meaning anytime you got caught, you know, doing bad things, you know, it, cheating is one of them, throwing the rackets, cursing, you know, upsetties, anything like that could be, you would basically get you know, uh, dinged, you know, you would get demerits or or points against you. Mm -hmm. And basically it would be based on number of matches that you've played. So in other words, if if I only play two tournaments a year and I have 10 demerits and, and you play 20 tournaments a year and you have 10 demerits, there's a pretty good chance you're, you're a better actor than I am. Right. So I thought, you know, just basically have an average, of this is that person's average, like a batting average. So they've played 25 matches. They have, uh, you know, whatever, they have five demerits. So their batting average is a 0.225 or whatever, mm-hmm. 0.20, whatever it is. And then in each one of those categories, then is kind of lumped together, you say, between this number zero and 0.2. 
is, you know, kind of a, a green dot next to their name. And then if you're higher than that, it could be a yellow dot. And then there's for the people that are really getting in trouble a lot, there could be a red dot. And then basically the people, the, the referees are roaming around the event and they're, they're doing a the tournament and next to the kid's name on their draw sheet or the sheet of, you know, whatever they're working from, they know which kids have been bad actors in the past and they know which kids have been good actors. And, and then based on what happens on the court, that, that person that, that has a, a lot of, of strikes against them basically could be walking on the court with two strikes. Mm. I mean, they honestly, they could lose a set if they had one bad call. And that's harsh. I mean, that you know, but that's that's the way I think it should be because you want to deter it. So here's the deal: the, the ball is close. That person's going to be playing it. Mm. I hope, which would be a far cry. I mean, if this is a person that's getting in trouble all the time, I think people would be shocked when they start. Excuse me, that's my dog squeaking the ball. Um, that's the people are going to be shocked that this they're now you know playing balls that are close because they're afraid of uh, you know, losing a match or getting defaulted from a match, you know, mm-hmm. but again, it's one of those people with a green dot next to their name. If they, if they make a bad call an egregiously bad call or and the person sees it, um, you know, it could be loss of that point. And I usually said even one more because mm-hmm. to just give them the other person a point that wasn't really theirs to be, to take a point away that wasn't theirs to begin with, that's not a deterrent. They, you know, I, I thought maybe an extra point, you know, for a bad call. I don't, it, 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 I think it needs to be a little bit, needs to be a little heavy handed. I really mm-hmm. do at this point. The, the, the Jesuits are pretty heavy handed, um, <laughs> you know, and, but you learned, you learned what you could and couldn't do. And, and, and I'd love to see a world where people were playing balls that were out by a half inch. You know, it, it, it wouldn't hurt the game. It would help the game. Um, there would just be there'd be less arguments, less ugliness. Um, you know, again, I I like to be fair, and but until the technology is in place that gets us to that point, I think that uh, a system that's pretty harsh that that is based on your past performances um, is needs to be considered. Mm-hmm. And I mean, have you proposed this to USTA or UTR or any of the I, people I, running I events? This, I sent sent this article to someone at USTA. Again, I'm not I'm not on any USTA boards. I'm on you know I'm on some other things. You know, I'm not in any any governing body boards or anything like that. So um, again, it's been out there. It, it originally, it was something that I wrote for Net News, you know, but it was mm-hmm. a little too long to put in Net News. Um, so that's I'd hung on to it for a while, but I definitely had sent it to a few people because it did. It really was draining and bothering for me to go to these tournaments and and see this happen, you know. And and then the other thing I threw in at the end of the article was, you know, if, if the people that people like me that have been around the game for 35 years, I'm pretty qualified to be a referee. You know, we've all sat there and said, boy, I, I could have handled that situation better. You know, it wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have ended in, in people throwing punches if I could have been out there helping <laughs> or whatever, whatever happens. And I think, but, you know, part of the certification process of PTR and USPTA could be that the coaches have to referee a certain number of matches every year have to be roaming referees and and in that way you know again that's not you don't have to spend more money if it's part of my certification and i have to do two or three days a year it's not going to kill me mm-hmm. and if it makes the sport better eventually more kids are going to play and it's going to help my business anyway so you know that was uh, you know besides this the punishment system a way to get more referees out there without spending more money i thought you know could be could be uh 
that way. Again, there's uh, a lot of different ways to look at it, but um, I, d- I don't see anything. I've been doing this 35 years. I, I can't recall anything that made me go, wow, they're really, you know, really made me sit back and go, wow, they're really, they're really taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. There's never been anything, you know, that, 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 uh, that, that, you know, has worked as a deterrent in the past. And, and, you know, that's what uh, I'd love to see him give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, you know, the best advice I've had to give to parents is write a letter to your section, your head of junior competition and, you know, document what happened, but Mm -hmm. nothing comes of that other than, you know, there's an email chain or whatever. Um, And meanwhile, the, the kid or kids that are, the biggest offenders are continuing to play and, and as you said, driving the other kids away from the sport or, you know, it's, it's really a shame. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper, Tim, into this whole idea of when in doubt, call it out, which is, seems to be the mantra these days and seems to be a more and more common way of, of handling close calls and not just at the junior level. Let me just say, I play in three different adult leagues. (laughs) It happens all the time on the court with me too. Um, I'm, I'm of your mindset. If if I'm not sure the ball's in and we're playing and we're going to keep going, you know, I don't trust my eyes. The older I get, the worse they get. So, um, you know, I would never feel comfortable saying, well, I'm not sure about that. So I'm going to call it out. That's yeah. not how I was raised. No. And and even, you know, people have, you know, I play a lot of doubles still. And and if I see my partner make a call that I disagree with, I'll say, yeah. listen, I saw the ball good. I think we should give him the point. And and that's, you know, that that's there's I've known guys that would have punched me if I had done that to them, if I had overruled one of their calls. I mean, there, yeah. there's it's just one of those things that you, you don't do. But if I see a ball clearly in, I'm not, I'm just not going to stand there and turn my back and go, Oh gosh, you know, that was a terrible call. My partner made, I mean, you just, again, at the end of the day, you know, you have to, you know, look at yourself in the mirror, you have to live with yourself. And and if you, you know, I just couldn't do that. And I agree. There's, I think there's, again, there's so much pressure on, on people, people want to win so badly. And again, you know, I, I know there's a lot of close calls. It's a hard sport to call it accurately all the time, but that's what I, Again, I tell the kids that we train, if you're not sure, call the ball good. If you're hundred mm-hmm. percent sure, call it out and and you know, we'll all be happy. We can live with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, there's a lot of kids that, that ball hits anywhere near the line. It's just the hand goes up, out, you know, there's just there's there's no question in their mind. And I, I think that again, the parents, I think that you know, the kid would get you know, if the kid played a match and gave away a few calls. Parents oftentimes really lay into the kids, and I mm-hmm. think that's another problem there too. Instead of saying, "Hey, listen, you know, you might have missed a couple of calls, but I get it. If that's the way you saw it. I respect that, but I don't think parents are like that. Hey, you know, they're like, "Hey, kid, you know, you're giving away points, and you're you're killing me. I'm over there watching. And the ball's out by three inches, and you missed the call. And I just, you know, I don't think that that's that doesn't help at all either. Then the kids mm-hmm. more likely next time to take the closest call and call it out. So in your opinion, where does the responsibility lie with, well, I shouldn't say that. I know the responsibility lies with the parents and the responsibility lies with the junior coach. Where do we focus our energies to help our kids become better at being fair players? 
Well, I mean, yeah, what, what you said is true. I mean, the, the, the parents and the coaches are a big part of this, but I still think the governing bodies can, can decide, you know, they, they can decide how important this is. They can mm-hmm. decide if this is keeping kids from playing. So, you know, I, I can be, I can be a, a shady dad and I can teach my kid to be shady but if the USTA is clamping down on kids cheating and they keep dinging my kid, you know what? They they might be able to win. You know, at, at the end of the day, they might be able to. You know, I've seen I've seen tennis save a lot of kids from well, less than ideal parents. You mm-hmm. know, the sport can teach character and it can teach a lot of great things. And I've seen kids come from some pretty rough homes. Um, you know, good friends of mine come from but backgrounds that were was were not great and just being around the sport helped them kind of navigate you know a, a tough childhood and mm-hmm. and so um I well I might blame the parents and, and the coaches for the kid initially cheating I do think the governing bodies whether it be UTR or USTA or in Atlanta here Alta you know all these entities can take a much stronger stand and, and, and make, put some rules in place again, league play with adults is, is kind of tough, but um, with, with junior tournaments and ranking points on the line and college scholarships on the line, I would have no problem with them, you know, getting tough with getting tough with these, uh, you know, these kids. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting proposition and um, I didn't ask you this off air. I'm going to put you on the spot, but how do you feel about us reprinting your article on parentingaces.com and, and maybe taking some comments that then we can forward on to the governing bodies? That would be great. I mean, I, any, any, any discussion is great. And again, I, I have thick enough skin, you know, people don't like it, you know, called it dumb whatever you want to do. It, it's it's fine. And again, it, it just came out of, you know, the article came from, I, I spent, uh, you know, a, a week in Macon, Georgia, and it was 120 degrees and I'm down there watching tennis and, and I came home exhausted. And I, and I realized it wasn't the heat. It, it was, it was just the drama around these matches, you know, mm-hmm. the, are you sure? And all the, all the stuff going on. It was just like, it just it got so old that I I came back on man this is just this just dumb you know it's just <laughs> dumb that that we have to keep doing it's Groundhog Day every yeah. day at the junior tournament it's Groundhog Day and it's been for thirty five years yeah so I'm just like you know why why are we repeating the same you know we have the the same mistakes that that happened when I was a kid you know I there's there's still bad actors and there's always going to be but if we could take the cheating out of it if a kid felt like he walked off the court. And, and, you know, how many times, and you've heard it, I'm sure with your kids playing, you know, I would have won if they hadn't cheated me. I right. mean, that's, we've gotten to the point where we don't, our kids aren't allowed to say that when they walk off the court, you want to tell it to somebody else, you tell it to somebody else, but don't tell it to us because, you know, he, you know, and it may have happened, you know, right. it may, and certainly in their mind, but at the end of the day, you know, we just don't allow that to be a reason because if that's really the reason why people are losing, then our sport's in big trouble. Yeah, agreed. And I I think, you know, we have to look at this as the kid that doesn't deal with confrontation well, right? I mean, I've I've heard this argument, well, this is a great time for them to learn, you know, life skills and how to navigate real Mm -hmm. life and yada, yada, yada. But you know what, 
when they're 12 years old, they shouldn't have to do that kind of stuff. Like tennis is hard enough. They shouldn't have to figure out how to either suck it up or retaliate or ignore bad calls or bad behavior by their opponent. That yeah. shouldn't be part of it at that age. No. It, and it's hard. And and again, that's what, you know, people always asking me, what do I do if someone cheats me? And it's like, mm-hmm. and get a referee, you know, what if the referee can't come, whatever, you know, and, and I've, I, I did a few dumb things as a kid, you know, I, I may have walked up and, and, you know, kind of said, listen, you make one more bad call. I'm going to come over there and, you know, I'm bringing my racket. You know, I, I've done stuff like that. And I was a little bit of a hothead, yeah. but I do realize that's not really the solution. And it's right. not. And again, to ask my students to do the same thing, you know, I, I do often say, listen, you know, you don't, you know, the, the are you shares drive me crazy. So I, I'm like, no more. Are you shares? You know, mm-hmm. if you if you want to walk up to the net and say, listen, I saw that ball good. That ball looked into me. It was on the line. I'd much rather hear that, you know, mm-hmm. because, again, in 35 years, I've never heard anyone say, are you sure? And someone go, you know what? Come to think of it. I'm not sure. Let's <laughs> let's, you know, your point. I've right. never seen that. So it's like, let's let's eliminate that should be a penalty. If someone says, are you sure they should get dinged also? So. <laughs> Um, you know, but it's even now things that, that I just, you know, I, it's just a crazy part of the game. And, and, um, but I, I, I'm willing to try anything. And that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm happy to have anybody, you know, weigh in on this. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it used to be that if there was a debate over a line call, you could replay the point. The USTA rules now say, yeah. That's not the way it works. If you want to reverse your call, you lose the point. So there's no kind of incentive to change your mind if, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one anyway, though. But I mean, again, replaying points that have been played, you know, if I make a bad call, and go, Oop, no, just kidding. It was it was in. I get the whole idea that I lose that point for, mm-hmm. for making the premature call. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, that, that opens up a whole nother can of worms if you can play a lot of points over. And then you say you share and they said, well, maybe I'm not. Let's replay it. And I'm kind of like, well, again, the, the, again, the rule is if you're not 100 percent sure the ball's in. Right. I think that that should resolve most of these issues. If you're 100 percent sure the ball's out. And if you're not 100 percent sure, it's my point. So mm-hmm. There we go. Hopefully that would keep from having to actually replay points or, um, you know, that that I don't I think that that would be a tough uh, Pandora's box to open. I mean, I 100 percent agree. I'm just saying there's you know, now it's not even like you can kind of give yourself a beat and say, oh, I might have messed that one up. You know, let me I, I hear you. Um, because mistakes do happen. I get that. And, and I mean, we've done podcasts about that and, you know, how vision training maybe can help with some of that and maturity and things like that. And some kids just flat out need glasses and nobody realizes it. So, you know, there are other extenuating circumstances, but what we're talking about here is the egregious bad call, the egregious bad behavior that is not being addressed by the governing bodies. The kids are not being adequately punished. There's just, there's not a good enough consequence. And so the bad actors are continuing their bad acts and the good actors are getting frustrated and 
you know, hopefully not leaving the game, yeah. but we see a lot of them leave the game and it's, yeah. it's a shame. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that by putting this information out, Tim, that maybe the right eyes will get on it and maybe these conversations can be pushed up the food chain and, and something can be put in place. Um, because I feel like what you've proposed as you've said, you know, having more referees just costs more money. So that's going to get passed to the families. Um, we're already paying enough money for our kids right. to play the sports. So nobody wants to pay more. But if there were ways to ensure that as kids perform these bad acts and are caught performing the bad acts, which is a whole other issue, um, yeah. that 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 follows them. You know, that they, yeah. they can't duck it and um, that the the penalties become harsher and harsher, the worse their performance is. And and I just that just makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, again, and again, in, in our day, you know, the past 35 years of watching the the only, you know, the, the kid who cheats a lot never has any friends. Nobody wants to hang out with him at a tournament. And that's really, that was the only recourse, you know, hopefully mm -hmm. they would just get tired of doing it because nobody liked them and nobody would talk to them, you know, yeah. it, and, and it probably worked a few times, but at the same time, a lot of times it didn't. And that kid went on to college and, and whatever. And, uh, but I just, I think there needs to be more than that, you know, more than you're going to get a bad reputation. Some of the kids don't care. They think it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a dog eat dog world. And if you can't handle me, then, you know, that too bad, but, right. um, I, I, I just, anything, I, I just be up from trying anything. I mean, listen, the, the USTA, they, they change their ranking system, you know, you know, every year, I don't know, every, every six, two years. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> it, it seems like it's, I'm saying that, that there's constantly changes being made on other fronts. So, you know, they're not afraid to make some changes. Mm. It's just, this is one that again, in, in, in my life in tennis, I've never seen or heard of something that was, kind of earth shattering and, and, you know, and something that would a game changer. There's not mm -hmm. been anything, as you said, nothing has really changed from the cheating standpoint since we were kids. Right. Right. And, um, it just, and the technology is coming, but the technology is costly too. And, you know, there are companies that have come up with some really low cost op options, but mm -hmm there's still a cost involved. So I think, I think they'll get there. I mean, I think yeah. there's these, I, the, the phone based systems, you know, where you put them up on the tripods and you mm -hmm. triangulate the court and, and hey, look at this way, if it ever, if it ever got to that point where these things were fairly accurate, I, I think that'd be huge. And especially, I think it would start like probably at the college level because mm. again, a college well, looking they at do have play site. Yeah, they, they have do, play yeah. site and replay and stuff in making, college. Making calls and okay, so I've not seen. I mean, here in Atlanta, I don't think Georgia Tech. I think they still have chair umpires, but um, Georgia you know, has yeah. it. I mean, okay, so I'm okay. So if if they start with that, because obviously you're not dealing with uh, you know 50 courts at the Mobile Tennis Center, right? And if if you can make that cost effective starting in college and at least clean up college, there's a start. You can say, mm -hmm. hey, college tennis is relatively clean that would be a nice statement to be able to make and then and then kind of work your way back down the the chain until you know it, it does become cost effective for the juniors and again at some point I think we can get there and uh but in the meantime I just don't know why people aren't willing to try 
some drastic measures for some some drastic problems. I mean, the answer I've gotten when I've brought these things up uh, to the governing bodies is lawsuits. You know, there's there's the sphere of lawsuits, and so. Um, and I get it. I mean, I'm married to a lawyer, so I, I you know, I'm married I understand. to a lawyer too, but yeah. I, I, I don't know a lawsuit again, every, every sport gets to name its rules, right? Yeah. I mean, you get to name, you know, if, if you're going to play little league baseball, you're going to work the concession stand two games a year. Mm-hmm. Why is, why is, you know, I don't hear lawsuits about that. That's not fair. You know, I'm a, I'm a busy man. I can't work the concession stand. If tennis, they basically signed a paper saying, listen, your kid's going to be part of the system. Mm-hmm. They are in this system. They are USTA member or whatever it is, or UTR. And this is the way we're going to do it. And if you don't like it, you, you're, you, you're free to choose another sport. You right. know, I, I don't, I don't know why that, that, that should be such a big deal is, um, you know, is, is saying you, you don't have to play tennis. And here's where I also thought this is another, well, this is a total aside, but, you know, I go to these tournaments and it rains and I go out there and I squeegee courts and half the parents sit over there, you know, drinking wine and their kids are out on the courts. I'm trying to squeegee warming up. And I'm like, if I squeegee the court, my kids ought to get priority. Mm-hmm. And, or I think, I honestly think parents should be required to squeegee courts at tournaments. And again, that should be in the entry. Say, yeah. listen, if you're going to come to a tournament and it rains, uh, you're going to come out there and help us dry these courts off so that we all get out of here at a decent time. But you, you're out there. I'm out there by myself, you know, as a coach out there squeegeeing courts while nobody else is doing it. And not nobody, but I'm saying it's just one of those, it's another one of those things. It's kind of like, I think that the sport can make rules. You know, I don't know. You go to a. a it's a, a culture, right? right. It's, you go to it's, a polo match, and at, at halftime, everybody walks out and they steps down the divots. There's right. every every sport has things that that people do, and I just I think that those are the kind of things that uh, you know could if, if you squeegee a court, your kid gets the first court. If you mm-hmm. don't, you get the last court. You know, mm-hmm. you don't like that again. If that's a lawsuit, then I, I. I think I'd, I'd rather see that lawsuit happen and get thrown out once and then it never happen again, I would hope, but I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you. And I, again, I, to me, it is creating a culture where we have respect for one another. We, you know, the opponents have respect for each other. They have respect for the game. They have respect for the officials that are out there for the people at the tournament desk. This is that whole thing of, you know, your child needs to Thank the official that was on the court. Your child needs to thank the tournament director at the end of the event. They need to thank the tournament desk workers, the volunteers. Um, This is all part and parcel of building a culture of positive feelings and positive experiences. And I'm not trying to be all woo-woo, but I mean, if you don't teach your child these things, whether it's the parent teaching it or the coach teaching it, you know, how are they going to learn? That's that's our role as the adult in the relationship is to teach our children to have this respect, to, to be well-mannered, to be polite, to, to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt and not just jump to the conclusion that so-and-so's cheating, they're out to get me, they're a bad person, you know. So it's I a totally mindset, agree. it's a culture. And I think all of the adults in the room need to take a look in the mirror and answer the question of, am I 
helping build a positive culture or am I contributing to the negative culture that's out there? Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it is, it's a whole, it's the whole big ball of wax. I mean, it, you know, start to finish, it just, it can be, it's, it's such an incredible sport. It's such a great sport. It teaches so many great lessons and it, it, it can be transformational for kids. It can take a kid and, and turn them into, you know, a, a person that they, they never could have been without the sport. There's just mm-hmm. no question. So that's why the ugliness stands out. And that's why I agree. If you could just, if you could just take out some of the things that make the sport unattractive, you, you really have one of the best games in the, in the, in the world. And again, it's a, now it's an interesting time for tennis. I mean, pickleball's coming along and you throw in Padel and you throw in, you know, everything else that's happening in the world, whether it's, you know, you have so much competition from foreign kids for scholarships. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of things that in tennis that, um, you know, I just, I just think we need to be our best right now. We need to be on our best behavior. We need to be the best we can be. I think the professional uh, tennis is is pretty healthy right now. There's good up and coming players. People are watching. I think that that's great. But we need to make sure that pipeline keeps getting filled with uh, with quality kids. And you know, you look at the Nadals of the world and the, the Fetters. I mean, these are these are class acts, right? You know, these are these are wonderful people that are a, a a tribute to our sport and and you know make us look good. And I think that that pipeline just needs to keep being fed. Agreed. Well, Tim, I I really appreciate you coming on and and sharing your article and allowing us to share it on our site um, and kind of keeping this conversation open and moving forward. Because when we talk about things, we come up with great ideas. You know, there are a lot of smart people out there and let's crowdsource this thing and and let's push it up the food chain and and get our governing bodies to to make some positive changes so that the sport continues to grow and and we continue to attract new families into it and, and keep them involved. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'd be fun. I, I appreciate you having me on and I hope, uh, I hope all that can happen. I, yeah. uh, you know, anything that makes the game better, I'm, I'm in favor of. Yeah, me too. We yeah. will have information on how people can contact you in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So I want to encourage listeners to check those if you're interested in getting in touch with Tim or um, if you're in the Atlanta area and looking for a place for your kid to go train for a little bit. Tim's got some amazing uh opportunities for them to play in Atlanta. And uh, we certainly want to support that. And also keep an eye out for Tim's article on parentingaces.com. And please add your thoughts because I think it's important for parents to weigh in. If you're a coach, please add your thoughts. What have you seen? What are things you've tried or thought about trying to help alleviate the, the bad behavior and you know make sure that the kids stay having fun out there because it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. It's, you know, that's what we want at the end of the day. So um, again, Tim, thank you so much and uh, look forward to having you back on. Yeah. Hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. 
For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.